Welcome whiskey lovers to the latest podcast. This one is our special podcast. A couple of weeks ago, as many of you will be aware if you follow my Instagram feed, I was actually on holiday in Devon, to be precise, right by Dartmoor. And while I was there, I reached out to one of Britain's newest whiskey distilleries, and that is the Dartmoor Whiskey Distillery. Now I have to say, my journey to the distillery was absolutely beautiful. If you get an opportunity to go to the UK, you really should head down to Dartmoor. I drove into the beautiful little village of Bovey Tracy and drove up to their stunning grade two listed old town hall. And looking up to the town hall, I could see in the windows the beautiful copper stills. Now, I need to point out, I reached out to the distillery. I wasn't paid to make this recording. However, while I was there, they very graciously gave me a t-shirt. I am here at the Dartmoor Distillery with one of its founders, Simon Crow. I just wanted to ask you, Simon, a lot of people are going to ask, Dartmoor isn't exactly known for its rich history in whiskey distilling, so why decide to set up a distillery in Dartmoor of all places? Well, I think you're right. I think we are the first Dartmoor single malt whiskey distillers. It started with my business partner, Greg, going on an intensive course to Brew Claddy some nine years ago and came back with lots of enthusiasm, thinking, why don't we make whiskey in Dartmoor? Of course, it's not like wine, it's not climate dependent. We need good barley, good water, and a good malting house, all of which we've got here in Dartmoor. You've been very kind this morning. I've got to look around your distillery, your bonded warehouse, even got to cut the tails a minute ago, which was quite exciting and nerve-wracking to make sure I don't mess up your, your barrels. But... You said about the barley that you have here, which obviously we all know, if you're making a good whiskey, you've got to have a good barley. So what made you realise that the barley that we have down here, or that you have down here in Dartmoor, is the right sort of barley to make whiskey? What made you think, yeah, this is going to work? Sure. Well, Devon is one of the counties that has a higher concentration of craft beer producers here than most counties. There's an awful lot of traditional beer makers here. And craft beer requires quality barley grown to the same variety and the same specification as required to make good whiskey. And we, we got to know very well Tim Cox, who for a number of years has been growing barley up on the moor for the brewing industry. And he then agreed to expand his production and make barley for us as well. So you're actually, your barley is actually grown on the moor. So when we talk Absolutely. about a, a dark moor whiskey, we're talking about you guys obviously in this beautiful setting here in the old town hall. Barley's grown in Dartmoor, and your water comes from water Dartmoor. Water comes from Dartmoor. Everything is Dartmoor, yes. So, so this is a, a Dartmoor, pure Dartmoor. In, in pure Dartmoor whiskey, absolutely. So you, you talked a little bit about the type of whiskey you're producing, and it's a very sweet whiskey that you've managed to produce. Now, you talk a lot about that being to do with your stills, because obviously there's a bit of a history to your stills. It's not what you would traditionally think of as a whiskey still, although I should point out the process is exactly the same. The, the shape and everything is different. Do you want to explain to us why that is? Yeah, for sure. Um, when we started this project, the starting point was, okay, we need a still. We contacted um, Forsyth in Scotland, the main producer of traditional copper whiskey stills, um, discovered they are horrendously expensive <laughs> and it takes at least two years order time before you can get your still. So we felt we had to look for an alternative. And my partner Greg um, 
has a lot of association with France, and it suddenly occurred to him that perhaps we can get a steal from cognac. It wasn't easy, but we managed to do so. We're not the first people to do that, actually. In Brittany, there's Edu, and I believe they have a old cognac still that they're producing. There's a, there's a distillery in America that took over a cognac still. So we're not the first, but very few people have done it. But they are beautiful stills. They are basically exactly the same. The process is exactly the same. But there's two slight differences with our still. The most significant difference is the shape of the head. It's a very bulbous shape, which means that the spirit has more reflux, folds back on itself more. And that slows down production. The slower the, the spirit is produced, it seems the sweeter and smoother it is. So the style of our still is largely dictating the style of our whiskey. And it, it's interesting because we were tasting some. Obviously, it's not at full strength yet. This was fresh stuff that we were tasting. And one of the things that was a big surprise to me was how little burn there was on that. Because you would expect very early on in the process, you've got quite a high ethanol content and usually you would expect quite a burn but actually there was very little of this already at that stage which is a great sign moving forward yeah larger distilleries larger stills will be produced at a rate of around about 200 liters an hour our still works at a fraction of that speed i think that and that bulbous head giving the extra reflux is the significant reasons for that difference now, one of the things you guys have been really lucky, well, I shouldn't say lucky, it's not luck that you've been able to do this, but you've been able to persuade a major name within the whiskey world to be your head distiller and your head blender. Really. Yes, Frank McCarty. Um, it was a um, phenomenal fortune, really. We had the privilege of getting to know Frank before we decided on this project. Frank was brought down from Campbelltown. He was master distiller of Springbank for 30 years. He was over in Ireland for 10 years, master still of Bushmills as well. Uh, but he still lives in Campbelltown. In retirement, although he still, I think, does some work for Springbank, he had come down to Devon to do some uh, whiskey tasting courses. And he came to my hotel and did a couple of courses. I got to know him. As soon as we had the idea to do this project, we were straight on the phone to Frank. Say, Frank, are you interested? We need your help. Will you come and see us? And he has been absolutely wonderful. So in retirement, he looks after us and a couple of other small distilleries, I think one in Ireland. But yeah, we are so lucky to have his experience. We don't make a single decision, do a single thing without Frank say so first. So Frank is the final word for you guys. Absolutely. Nothing gets cut, nothing gets distilled without Frank's say so. Exactly. And to back him up, we also have Miguel Donjou, who we bought the still from, third generation cognac master distiller. So, and it's very interesting when Frank and Miguel talk about the, the variations. And in fact, you'll find the variations are surprisingly few. And of course, we should say he has a rich family history. He's third generation yep. in what he does. He produces 1.3 million liters of wine a year and about 130,000 liters of distilled spirit a Correct. year. So yep. you're talking about someone who has a rich history. He knows what he's talking about. He's in the game, as they say. Absolutely. May not be whiskey, but is still a lot of the same processes. Absolutely. And a lot of we start with beer wash at 9%. He starts with wine at about 9%. He distills twice. We distill twice. The, the processes are <laughs> fundamentally the same. And obviously you were talking about recently bought a gin still that Don yep. actually found for you. Now, obviously this isn't a gin podcast, so we won't talk about that too much, but he's heavily involved in that process as well in helping you find the new still, 
helping you to make those right decisions as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They've got a beautiful little cognac still to make, you know, yeah, made in 1890. So much older. Officially stopped producing in about the 1920s, you said, from the records that you've been able to find I on it. the French customs records, yes. But we'll, we'll leave you to the side listeners whether you think it actually finished in the <laughs> 1920s or not. We, we have a funny feeling it most probably carried on for quite a few Maybe. years after that. So thank you so much for showing me around, Simon. It's been an amazing experience to see what you guys are doing. I must say, if you're ever in Bovey Tracy, look for the town hall. Come and see what they've going on here. It's a beautiful setting. Grade two, grade two listed building. Absolutely stunning. Really tastefully converted. I know they have a lot more work that they're going to do on it as well over the next couple of years. And make sure at the moment you book an event, call Simon. Don't just turn up because there might not be someone here. But they do offer tours. I really encourage you, come along, see what they've going on. I'm going to buy one of their whiskies, which I'm going to have to wait to get because it's not quite ready yet. We're talking about another two years till your whiskey is ready. Our first cast was filled on the 3rd of February 2017. So the 4th of February 2020 is the earliest our first bottling day. So mid-2020, mid whiskey will be on the shelf. Now, if you want to understand the love that they have for this. Simon and Greg, who work pretty much full-time yep. in the distillery, obviously can't get paid for about three years because it's not producing anything That's that right. you can sell. Just lots and lots of costs. They, they clearly are passionate about what they do. I will say, this seems like it's going to be a really sweet, very smooth whiskey, really worth a taste. If that is your sort of palate, I really encourage you, when this comes out, I know the first few... Barrels have been sold, but I know they're intending to blend together. I think you said 10 barrels at a yeah. time to produce three different um, sort of blends, we think, because you, you distill or you store in three different types of barrels. Yeah, we're, we're using Oloroso Sherry, French Bordeaux wine, and of course, um, bourbon casks. To get a constant flavour, we're probably going to vac together 10 casks at a time, so the 4,000 bottles will be the same. The next 4,000 might vary slightly. We thought we might be batting those three barrel types in a combination. But having sampled with Frank after the first year in the casts, Frank is directing us towards that we actually keep the three different cast styles separately and so launch three different expressions of whiskey. A single malt sherry, a single malt Bordeaux wine and a single malt golden cask. So these are definitely ones to keep an eye open for. I really encourage you, follow them on Facebook. There will be a link on the Instagram. There'll be a link on the podcast page as well. Check them out. Follow them on Facebook. Follow them on Instagram. They're out there. They're doing some great stuff. You can go onto my Instagram page, the underscore whiskey underscore lover. You'll be able to see a bunch of pictures from the distillery, learn more about the process of what they're doing. And as always, whiskey lovers, drink responsibly, and thanks for listening.